Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. This week on the Gospel for Life, we are tackling the issue of money. One of the things that the scripture teaches is that God is sovereign over everything. Abraham Kuyper, the Dutch theologian, once said over 100 years ago, there is not one square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. And that includes our money. So brothers, let's just start right there. What did Kuyper mean when he said that Christ is sovereign over every square inch of our human existence? It's the idea that if we believe, I mean, Scripture teaches really cover to cover that God is both the creator and the sustainer of all life, that all things were created um, by him and for him, and that he governs over all. Um, And that idea really is not just a, a, a one verse type of concept. It is taught in multiple verses throughout the Scripture, but it's the idea that permeates it all. Um, that God as creator means something for that which he has created, that it was created by him for him, and that he governs it and has not left it to itself, but says, no, it, it's, it was crea- creation is, has a purpose, and part of that purpose is to reflect back on, on God and, and be for his glory. And he's saying, you use it, appropriately only when you use it for me. Yeah. Um, many years ago, there was a Christian author, J.B. Phillips, wrote a famous little book called Your God is Too Small. Um, and I think many Christians uh, even have a have an idea of God uh, that he's off in one little corner of the universe and um, kind of does a limited number of things and, and can help us out from time to time when we need him Um that's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is supreme and sovereign, is over, is over all, is above all, and as is in all. Um, and uh, this one God who has made all things um, has exalted his Son, uh, as Philippians chapter 2 says, and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow. Um, that his sovereignty, and this is what Kuiper was getting at in the the famous quote, there's not one square inch where Jesus Christ does not stake his claim and say, mine. There is no corner of the universe that is not his. There is no corner of your life that is not his. Nothing is too small for his attention. Nothing is too great for his sovereignty to be in control. Mm. And so... There is no portion of your life. We, we cannot confine the Lordship of Christ to one little corner of our lives, one, 
our, our the, the spiritual corner of our lives. Like he's Lord on Sunday, but he's Lord not, on, not really the other six days a yeah, week. Exactly. And, and certainly not over my checkbook. And <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, well, there, here's some, some scriptures that are kind of behind this idea of God being sovereign, generally speaking. So Proverbs 16 is just packed with these verses. Uh, verse one, the plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Then a couple of verses down in verse four, the Lord has made everything for its purpose. So it's given us a general universal statement, and then it applies it to the most unlikely thing, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And then one more, mm-hmm. verse nine, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. So just a ton of verses that illustrate how God is is not just king over the church, but over every single part and parcel of our life. Yeah. I've been working through the Psalms in a midweek study at our, at our church, and we just happened to be in the late 90s of the Psalms. Um, in Psalm 93 through 99 are all Psalms that deal with the, um, the reign and rule of, of God over all things. Um, so if you're just looking for some Psalms to read through that, that talk about this idea of sovereignty. And when I used to teach American government, we sovereignty is defined by being an absolute authority in a given region. So sovereignty is always defined by um, by territory. So I used to like to say to my students, I'm sovereign in my classroom. But as soon as I step out of my classroom, I step into somebody else's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. I'm now in the principal's sovereignty. But as soon as the principal and I step out of the school, we're no longer sovereigns because we've left our territory of control. And so we talk about sovereign nations. Um, the United States is sovereign as far as our borders are concerned. And then as soon as we cross those borders, our sovereignty is, is no longer there because we've moved into somebody else's region. Mm-hmm. The idea between, behind God is that God as creator has no bounds to his control. And not just geographic, not just geographic, but over every detail. So let's get into the specific details. Then, so we're talking about money this week. What does it mean that God is sovereign over our money and our ability to make money? What does that look like practically? Well, God has gifted us, and every every gift and ability that we have comes from God. Uh, our capacity for work comes from God. And uh, as uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, what do you have that you did not receive? And that's actually in the specific context, it's talking about the stewardship of the gospel. But the principle applies to everything else. It's a rhetorical question. Yeah, well, it is a rhetorical question. And the answer is real simple. What do you have that you did not receive? Well, well nothing. Yeah. I've received everything. Every, everything I have is, is a blessing from God. So many parables address this, this idea that everything that we have is, belongs to ultimately to God. Um, just one example is Matthew 25, parable of the talents. Talents, we get confused, is not about skills. It, in this case, it, it was dealing with, with money. So you could say the parable of pennies or of nickels, or that would be the equivalent today of dollars, however you want to say it. And it says at the beginning that... For it will be like a man going on a journey, and that man is God, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Mm. And the the key here 
is that God has entrusted what's his to servants. That's us. And the whole concept that's being taught then is stewardship. Everything that I have ultimately doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. And so then what my calling is, this is the practical side of thing is, what I'm being called to is to think in terms of how would God want me to use his money for his purposes? Mm -hmm. And my job is just to be faithful to use it well for somebody else. It's the idea that if you're an investor and you work for somebody, you're going to be investing that money to to make money for the person that's entrusted it to you. Um, and that's the idea behind um, our relationship to money and, and, and God. Yeah, and, and in the parable, when the master returns after being away for a time, and that's a theme in a number of the parables of Jesus, when he returns, the master rightfully expects that his servants have done something uh, with the, the, the money, the talent that he uh, entrusted to them. And the two servants who multiply what they were given are commended. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, enter into the joy of your master. And then, of course, there's one who took his talent and buried it in the ground. He says, I, I was afraid. And wow, uh, instead of, oh, you poor thing, <laughs> the master is angry at his unfaithfulness. You wicked and, and faithless servant. Um, and because he was unwilling to use what he was given for the master's benefit. Mm -hmm. The master will say, gets gets after the guy because you didn't use my money. Yeah. Yes. And so it's possessive throughout. It's it's not you didn't use your the money I gave to you. Right. It's you didn't do something with my money. Right. Yeah. And so that's that whole stewardship idea. So so Phil, you said that steward didn't use my money uh the the master's money for the master's benefit. So let's go right there. We, we've discussed how God is sovereign over our money, that it actually doesn't belong to us. It's his money. But why did God create wealth and money to begin with? I mean, what what is his purpose in creating money and wealth? I mean, it, it really boils down to— We could say, what is the chief end of money? Yeah, the chief end of money <laughs> is to glorify God. I mean, sure. and the idea is, I mean, and this is throughout other parables, that we are to use— um, worldly wealth, unrighteous wealth is really what it says, for God's purposes. Money is not an end in itself, but money is a means that is is necessary in the world in which we live. Yeah. And ministry, gospel ministry, takes money. And so what happens is, and as we live, God has said, I'm giving you money so that you can be taken care of, Um as, as human beings to meet the needs that you have, and then you use the money that is then in excess for the use of, of kingdom work. Yeah. And the idea is so often people will say, well, if it takes me, let's just say, $70,000 to live and I make 80000 that means I have 10000 more that I can live on, and so then therefore I can spend all of the excess on myself. And I think it's the it's the wrong way of looking at money and say, well, God has met my needs. How does God want me to use the excess that I don't need in order to live 
for his purposes in this world. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that you can't take a trip and you can't do something with your family. You can't do all these things. I'm not suggesting that. What I'm suggesting is that at least the question should be raised. Yes. There should be a pause at some point to say, okay, God has blessed me beyond what I need. Let me have a conversation. Well, if the question is not being raised, then ultimately we fall back into that default position that this money really is mine. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Um, in Genesis 1, immediately after we read, so God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created him. We read this, and God blessed them. And then he said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion. And so that's the whole picture of creating wealth. It's the cultural mandate. It's it's creating civilizations and society, etc. But for what purpose? And we know what the purpose is for because of the immediate verse that follow or that, that preceded it, which is to image forth God. And so the, those two verses right there show us that the purpose of our money is to image forth God. What does that mean? To show his kindness and his generosity and his love for fallen mankind, not just in church, which I would totally agree with, but even when we go to work, how are we working for the good of our neighbor and the good of our employer and the good of society with our work? Mm-hmm. And how, how you approach that, the perspective you bring will show how tightly you hold on to, to resources and how much you live life with an open hand and say, it's not ultimately mine. How can I look for opportunities to use this for the work work of God? Yeah. yeah, and if and if we get hung up on okay, what what portion is mine and what portion goes to the church, uh, we're already indicating that we're starting at the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and Jesus consistently talked about money as a heart issue. Settle in your heart first. Who is Lord? Who to whom does this belong? And what, what is the gratitude that I owe to God? Settle that first, and money take care of itself. Amen. Well, you've been listening to the Gospel for Life. We hope that you continue to tune in for the rest of this week as we talk about how money um, is not only under the domain of God's sovereignty, but it brings Him glory. 